everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. But tonight, we are doing a very special crossover episode with Small Council Matters. As all of you know, I do other podcasts, and one of my favorite podcasts is We Talk Game of Thrones, and for the Small Council Matter. So, hi, Wendy. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Christine. And my guest, Pat, is our maester at large. Uh, we have offered, uh, we have asked Pat many times to join us, and he's always been, no, I'm more of a behind-the-scenes guy. And I reached out to him, and I said, Pat, let's talk Game of Thrones music. And then we'll just do this this crossover kind of near the the small subset of Bruce Springsteen fans who love Game of Thrones, <laughs> or we might get a louder group. So with that introduction, welcome, Pat. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Jesse, for having me on the podcast. Oh, I'm just so ecstatic. Um, so um, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself, and then I want to talk about your Game of Thrones background, and your blog. Okay. Um, well, my name is Pat Sponigle, uh, which is a, a name that's impossible to spell, and that's the, also the name of my blog, which is not a good branding move on my point. But uh, but I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. Uh, I enjoy listening to podcasts, and your the Small Council podcast is one that I really – Small Council Matters podcast is one that I really enjoyed – and I've been very pleased that you guys enjoy me writing in and t- giving you my perspective on the show. Uh, and I was happy to talk about music, even though I'm not a super music guy, but I, I will do my best. Well, and I, I appreciate that. And it, I did have to twist his arm a little bit. Um, <laughs> but Pat is such a good guy. So you obviously are a book reader. You right. so how did you find the Game of Thrones books and what led you to be so engaged with it? Uh, okay, I'll tell you. Uh, back in 1997, I was going to get on a flight across the country, and in an airport store, I saw the first book, A Game of Thrones, which had only recently come out. Uh, so I picked that up because it looked like it might be good, and I had read uh, things from George R. R. Martin before. And I read about like 200 pages, and then I was the flight was done, and I put the book aside, and years went by. And a lot of my friends had been reading the books and had been giving me a hard time uh, for not reading them. Uh, and, they, and they wanted me to read them and get caught up. Uh, so it took me a few times to get started, and, and it seems like a strange thing because I'm a big fan now. Uh, but since the TV show was on the horizon, I made a big effort. And the the first book clicked, and then I started reading the second book, and I got my wife to read the first book, and she read faster than I did and stole the second book from me. And she has read all of the books ahead of me and has been angry that I've not been keeping up with her. So finally we got all, everything read before the first season. Uh, the reason I really enjoy the books, well, they're super engaging. They're very detailed. There's a lot going on. Uh, he has a really good style. Uh, and you can read the read a chapter and you'll get hungry reading the chapter because people make fun of him describing uh, food, but he, he can describe food really well. And that, that goes to other things as well. Throughout uh, everything in the books where he has to 
tell you what's going on, you really feel it. I mean, you really, really understand what's happening. So there are singular books to me of, of, of communicating a particular vision and a particular moment that's going on in all of the characters. You know, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I was a, and still am, a big fan of the wild card series that he had done. Yep. And um, so I was – but I tend to not read a lot of heavy fantasy. I, I read, you know, Piers Anthony Zanth books. Um, yep. I, I certainly love um, the myth books by Robert Aspen um, and, you know, Piers Anthony's also kind of the the gods book, you know, that he did, the deity books. But uh-huh. I, I'm not a big fantasy reader and I have um, tried to read the book a couple of times. In fact, you and I were going to be book buddies, and I just kind of uh-huh. got distracted. <laughs> so I feel a little bit better that you were not captivated immediately as well. And so I'm kind of thinking that you know, once the final seasons are out, I'll just start and kind of read because I know at this point there are no spoilers because we're going into new territory. But I sure. think that would be interesting to see from that perspective. Yeah, and, and like you said, it took me a few times of trying to read the books. And I would get about like the same point in the book. Around like page 300 or so, I would run out of steam because in my heart I knew – bad things were going to be happening to all these people that I liked. Yes. And, it, you know, it, it, it kind of made me, like, shy away from it. But there was a, uh, a Thanksgiving that I went to, a, like, a Black Friday type of uh, sale. So I was waiting in line in the dark for hours. So I brought the book, and I brought a flashlight. And I don't know how that worked out, but somehow being, like, stuck in a line, just reading, like, kind of in the cold – with this flashlight reading the book, I was like, wow, this book's amazing. And I had gotten past the point where I had gotten before. And one benefit uh, of the books is that bad things happen to everyone you love, but bad things happen to everybody in those books. And so it kind of balances out, if you, if you know what I mean. The bad guys don't really get away with too much, so it's not a giant amount of piling on. Um or if it is, it's very equitable across the board. You know, um, and I'm, I was trying to Google real quick. Um, there is a uh, there is a quote from Babylon Five, um, and uh, where the character says, "I find great comfort in their life being unfair because that would make me think that you know, good people having bad things happen to them, you know, might." Would be dis, you know, would be very disappointing in seeing. So, uh, I'll try to find the quote. But, uh, and it is, I, I do know that as a show watcher, I totally, um, you, you know, spoiler free. I had not seen anything. Uh-huh. I'd not done anything, and, um, and I've shared this before. But when, um, and by the way, spoilers. Um, I guess I'll keep it fake. In the, in, there is a major um, death in the first season, and you, I, you know, I'm watching this going. Okay, so far this show has had no magic, so this is where the magic's going to happen. This is how our <laughs> hero is going uh-huh. to escape because we're going to see magic. And all of a sudden, you know, the way they cut it with the doves coming, you're like, but 
wait, wait, did, 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 did this person just die? <laughs> wait a minute. And, <laughs> and, and then when I went on social media, they said, um, you know, I had the same reaction, except this time, instead of throwing the book across the room, I threw the TV across the room. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I think it is um, wonderful, and I'm ex- I'm excited about this new season coming up. And um, you know, and I, I've, you know, we're gonna have dragons, and we're gonna see what happens. And uh, do you have any predictions for the new season before we start talking music? Oh, I I do have predictions but i don't want to say what they are uh just because you might they might be spoilery for people who don't want to know okay um uh, but you know but i can i can talk like super general in the sense that you know we're coming to like the the conclusion so lots of storylines are going to be coming together uh you know there's a lot of momentum that's been building up over the past years and now all of that momentum is going to be like the snowball going down the hill where things are really moving fast so we will probably have a lot, like lot less table setting, and a lot more like dramatic, con- conclusive type things happening with reversals of fortune. Now, th- now nothing I'm saying is is all that you know, like shocking, you know, right? You know, you know, but but that's kind of a fun thing to look forward to because a- as you know, uh, listening to past uh, you know season recaps from you guys on the small council. Uh, you know, matters that quite often there's a lot of discussion about like what we're now in the table setting phase or pieces are being right. moved or, you know, and, and, and there's a, there, there'll be that, but mm-hmm. the pieces will be being moved very aggressively, you know, and the tables will be being flipped over as, as opposed to uh, table setting. So, Pat, you do a pretty intensive blog on Game of Thrones. Talk to me how that started and uh, give us the link so that uh, we can check it and kind of talk a little bit about why you started that and, you know, examples of some of your work. Okay. um, About four years ago on Facebook, I had been doing long, long movie reviews. And a buddy of mine complained that my really long Facebook movie reviews was blowing up his his iPod, the Facebook app. And so he said, I should just start blogging if I'm going to be so verbose about it. So I went to WordPress and I just registered for a domain and and I started writing about like movies and TV. Uh, And I had read the, uh, I'd read all the books that had been out for Game of Thrones and the first three seasons were out. And at that time, it was kind of like a golden age of everybody kind of putting up a podcast to talk about the show, and I would be listening to a lot of podcasts, and I would I would take umbrage of what people were saying about how dumb Ned Stark was, because I love Ned Stark, I love him so much, and people would complain about how he was dumb or he would he would make bad decisions. So I began to write an essay about how, you know, from his perspective, from a position of strength where the way things were from his point of view, he had like a really strong hand and things did not work out and it was, it might've worked out differently. So I wrote my first one and then people were complaining about Jon Snow. And so I said, you know, I can't let people badmouth Jon Snow. He's my boy. And so I began to write like five essays about Jon Snow. And at that point I said, I kind of like writing about the show. So I would kind of uh, defend people's, bad decisions you know like if a character 
you had bad things happen to them, people would pile on. And so I would try to take that person's side and I would kind of justify why it was what they were trying to do. And people seemed to really respond to that well. I, I had uh, I had a lot of success as a blogger in writing about the show from this kind of character point of view. And I would I would not try not to talk too much about the books because I knew a lot of people were uh, either not reading the books or they were going to watch the show and then read the books. And there's a lot of book discussion happening over on Reddit. So I would just kind of focus on the show. And I got a lot of people responding to that very well. And at this time, I have about 170 uh, essays written on Game of Thrones from all kinds of different angles and topics. And I would try to set a blogging goal to have one, a new one out every week or every two weeks, depending on if the show was about to happen or if the show had just happened. Uh, but I wouldn't blog when the show was on the air. Um, all of my writing time would be writing emails to podcasts about. And we you know, thank you. We right. appreciate that very right. much. Right. So uh, so that's how I got started. I, I write about other things, but uh, but I think most of my blog is about Game of Thrones. So for what it's worth, you know, I am Team Stark, though the members of the Stark <laughs> team are getting thinner and thinner. Um, oh, but and, some of them came back, though. Some yes, they did. Um, and, and I do think that, you know, it's an interesting point that um, my, my sister always talks to me about that um, – I tend to be on the high road, and um, she says, you know, my brother Jesse says it's never crowded on the high road, and I think that's a little bit about Ned, is he truly was thinking the best of people and making, the, and and it's easy after the fact to say, well, he should have been devious like everyone else, um, and so I, I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the idea of let's... Let's judge our, these characters independently um, because, you know, we're from an outside perspective trying to figure out what they're doing versus they're in the moment and trying to do the best they can, right? Right. And there are characters on the show who played the game much better than Ned, and they ended up in exactly the same situation that he did. Uh, in the sixth season, uh, Marjorie Torrell... I made a comparison between everything that she did and everything that Ned did. And really they had the same kind of strengths going in. She played a better game, but she made the same mistakes that Ned did. Uh, and I don't need to reveal all the details of that blog post, but it's, it's easy for us to bust on the loser and it's easy for us to not recognize that the people who are doing well might not be doing well on merit. They might just be failing upwards. Kind of like Queen Cersei, who definitely has taken actions that have kind of put her to where she is. But her plan her plan should never work. I mean, she's, she's such a, a bad type of, you know, planner for things. And she just kind of sneaks by on, like, lucky coincidences that we don't really recognize. So I... Uh, it, so I, I like how things kind of happen, that, that unexpected things happen. This character deserves to do well, and they don't. This character deserves to have something really bad happen to them, and somehow they come out of it. 
So I find that, you know, kind of fun because it, it does boil in also with characters who work hard and they do well or characters who are bad and they get taken out. I mean, you know, it's not that um, people don't get their just re- rewards on the show, but there's a, there's a nice blend and a mu- nice diversity of everyone's stories so that it kind of keeps you on your toes. You can't really guess what's going to happen with these characters. You know, um, while you were talking, I did look it up, and it's Marcus Cole uh, from Babylon 5, a late delivery from Avalon. And he says, I used to think it was awful that life was so unfair. Then I thought, wouldn't it be much worse if life were fair? And all the terrible things that happen to us come because we actually deserve them. So now I take great comfort in the general hostility and unfairness of the universe. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, um, one of the things I love about the show, and I promise we're going to get to music listeners, is the um, the idea that, the, you know, that people are trying to make their decisions and that, you know, you – the bad guy doesn't always get it in the end, and the good guy doesn't always win. And even when the bad guy dies, it isn't necessarily like, you know, as a non-book reader, I'm like, I hate Joffrey, I hate Joffrey, I hate Joffrey, I want Joffrey to die. And then, you know, then you're like, well, I didn't like the way that death happened, maybe, you know? So, <laughs> or, or, or I just I just miss Joffrey, you know? It's yes. Like, oh, God, it should be fun to have Joffrey around for this. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you very much. We're going to give the link to your blog in the show notes. And um, so talk about um, one of the extras on the new DVD Blu-ray that just came out is they did interview the composer and talking about some of the themes he's done and uh, what he's um, tried to do. But from your perspective, talk about music in the series. Uh, well, you know, music is a is a big part. And, and th- again, I'm not going to say anything that's like shocking. They're like, oh, this is a TV show and has got great music. Uh, but it's impressive to look at the different themes that are attached to individual characters. Like, you know, the Starks have several themes. There's not just a stark theme, but there's like the North remembers theme. There's the, you know, farewell brother theme. There's kind of like a Jon Snow theme. And of course, because there's so many Starks, they all have like little variations, but you know, Daenerys Targaryen, she's got like the broad fire and blood theme for the Targaryens, but then she's got the Dracarys theme, you know, which is like the, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the high energy music that happens when the dragons are going to do something or the Unsullied are going to do something. Uh, yeah. Now, the Lannisters almost exclusively have variations of one song. And what, what's entertaining is if you're watching the first season, Tyrion will be whistling the Reigns of Castamere. And, you know, that's a song that is actually given meaning and weight in the third season, two seasons later. So the composer, Robin Jawadi, had worked out, you know, the melody for the Reigns of Castamere because in the books... That's a very important musical thing that happens. So, uh, so it's a, it's a joy about the amount of work and and kind of thoughtfulness that goes into all of the themes, uh, and it, it really enriches the experience. One of the 
the coolest things about the sixth season was this new piece that was written for the final episode of the season. Uh, the light of the seven is the theme. And that's what plays while everyone is getting ready for Cersei's trial in the final episode. And that's like a 20 minute type of quiet background piece. That's very, you know, very powerful. And this, uh, before the season has started up, you know, just recently they've been having trailers for the upcoming season, and they you, and you can hear the light of the seven theme uh, in the background at the beginning of the second trailer, and it it it's great. I mean, it's just so cool that there's these signature touches that kind of like move along as characters in the show. It, it is, and um, and they don't go obvious. Um, you know, you could. You know, for uh, the Greyjoys, I guess you could do, you know, something very nautical or, you know, this whole um, – but not every house has necessarily a theme, correct? Yeah. I, I, uh, someone might, like, leap up and, and tell you exactly all the different themes. I, I'm not aware if everyone has that, but there's there's definitely – big pieces that kind of are attached to like maybe more like regions. I mean, yes. The, you know, the Targaryens definitely have their own music and the Starks do and the Lannisters do. Um, right. But I, but I don't know if, if the Tyrells necessarily have music that really matters. Um, if you go to Dorne, I'm sure there's like a Dornish sounding music that plays, but I, I I, I've never tried to like attach it if is if this music's playing when Oberyn is taking on the mountain, or if right. this music is playing when Jamie and Bronn were in Dorne. Um, I, I, it's possible that's going on, but but I definitely know that they, they they do have some distinctive musical choices that go along with uh, the different areas that are happening. And so, one of the th- how musical is the books? Is there a lot of discussion of music in the books? Yeah, I, I'm glad you glad you asked that. Uh, there's a lot of discussion of songs in the books, and there are snippets of lyrics throughout. And you know, and I've already mentioned the Reigns of Casimir, which is this big pro Lannister type of song that it's a big victory song for the Lannisters. And then there's the Bear and the Maiden Fair, which which we all kind of heard a bunch of times. Because he only ever had two songs for the longest time, right? And then finally, yeah, then finally, Braun Braun got to sing the uh, uh, "Kissing the Dornish Prince Wife," but uh, but in the books, quite often there will be lyrics that will be attached. Somebody will be singing that are relevant to some scene that's going on. Particularly if there are characters who are musicians, they will choose to sing something that is relevant to what's happening. Okay. And I think there's something like 100 different songs that are kind of mentioned by name in the books, even though only a few of them have like full titles. I mean, wow. uh, lyrics, I mean, li- lyrics. But okay. there's definitely, there's like a lot of songs that are kind of like referred to. Uh, and, and that makes sense because, you know, you and I will be maybe talking, you know, in some kind of context and we'll be referring to a Bruce Springsteen song, and we will throw out a lyric. Right. Because I know that you you do that on the podcast, that you will choose a lyric, and because Bruce has such a large corpus of music, a lot can be pulled from his you know lyrics to be attached to any kind of situation. And George Martin does the same thing, you know, but he just has a completely 
fictional set of songs that are available for him to kind of pull lyrics that he crafts pretty much for each situation. And that, that makes the, that makes the book reading really, really great because there's this thing that is being referred to and you just kind of understand it. You've, you've never heard the song, but you get what's going on. And I, I find that to be just a joy in reading the, the books that way. Yeah, I, I could see that. And, you know, that's a really good point because um, I, I, I try not to shoehorn a Springsteen lyric in whether it's my Doctor Who podcast or the – Game of you know Thrones podcast or American Gods, but when it's appropriate, I sure am quick to bring it up. So that's that's pretty cool that he's doing the same thing. You know, it's kind of um, Robert Asprin before he died on his Myth books said that um, he found the little quotes, the fake quotes that he came in in front of each chapter came to be one of the hardest things to write because he had to come up with a quote that was appropriate for the chapter and then it had to be a fake quote with this you know person and he said it's at times that was harder than actually writing the story so uh i imagine george martin had some of the same things like okay what am i trying to because you don't want to be too on the nose you want to make it uh, some subtle and also, the quote has to sound like something that somebody would quote. You know, it, you know, it has to be something that I'm going to say this thing that it applies to some specific type of situation and provides some kind of meaning. So he has to, he has to, uh, in coming up with those quotes before each of the chapter, he definitely has an idea of what he wants to have it referred to. But then it has to be expanded out so that it, 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 it carries the weight of something that is quotable. So I uh, I find that interesting. I, I remember the quotes from the the myth books, and and I can see why they might be a a challenge to come up with. Yeah, because for example, when um, in 2011, when the Dallas Mavericks were on their playoff run and ultimately won a championship, uh, when they were down, I would tweet, you know, have a little faith. There's magic in the night. Which is, you know, a quote from Springsteen, and but it was appropriate. It wasn't a shoehorn, and so same thing with, as most people know, I'm in chemo for um, my colon cancer, and you know, mm-hmm. a lot of Springsteen fans, no retreat, no surrender, uh, mm-hmm. which is from um, no surrender. So I'm really the way you think of that. That makes so much sense that the book would have that. It's a common song, and you would quote it. You would quote that um, to the people you're talking to because it's a common um, voice you could share, a common language. Yes, yeah. Very cool. So um, I had asked you beforehand, and you said you might have some thoughts on because Game of Thrones is so massive and – um, I will repeat a story that I just told um, on the Small Council Matters. Uh, Father's Day, my um, my wife was here, my wife's sister and her husband, my son and my son's girlfriend, Erica. So we were all six of us having a good time, and they were bantering back and forth, and Chris was talking about watching wrestling on Sunday nights. And all of a sudden, Erica out of nowhere said, well, in a couple of weeks – 
we will be watching Game of Thrones on Sunday <laughs> night, and that's no doubt. And I uh, kind of look at my head, I'm like, I was already in love with you, but now I love you even more. Nice. <laughs> yes. I'm like, yeah. and, you know, and Chris has not watched the show, and um, I said, okay, that's what we need to do, family time. Let's watch Game of Thrones together. Right on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, how – Talk to me about how much have you explored fan-made fan-made music uh, that is Game of Thrones related? How much have you explored? How much you looked at? I've done very little, but I'm curious. Since you're with the blog and how passionate you are, how much have you done? Uh, I've I've done some, and and I can talk to you a little bit about that. Uh, uh, about three years ago, I guess. I had nothing going on, and so I went on YouTube, and I said, I'm just going to look for Game of Thrones, like, you know, fan-made videos. And I found a lot of of rap music that had been written for Game of Thrones. Like, a lot of rap songs had been readapted for the setting of Westeros. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah, and so I so I said, well, you know, if, if rap is doing this, then will the antithesis country music be doing the same thing? I couldn't find any country music. I think I, I recently found some country and Western, like, you know, parody songs. Okay. So I'm starting to see some of that, but, but there was a lot of rap music that had been, uh, made available. And, and so I would, uh, I would, uh, make CDs of the music and, and I'd take the CDs to work and I would listen to, to music while I, while I work. And uh, and I found a few. Uh, I can give some examples. There's a there's a YouTube guy named Adam Warrock, Adam W A R R O C K, and he does a lot of pop culture, um, uh, you know, treatments. You know, there'll be stuff for like Ms. Marvel. There'll be stuff for Spider Man. Uh, but he's got some really good uh, Game of Thrones music. There is a uh, a channel from someone called Melody Sheep. Melody sheep and they would take clips from the show and they would auto-tune music into it so the dialogue is very musical and so when john snow and sam take their vows at the heart tree uh they sing it and it's amazing and so uh so i i'll i really recommend just watching these and see if you enjoy the uh uh, the music or not and what i'll do is I'll, i'll send you um I'll email you the links to the actual oh, great. ones if yeah. you want to include that. I will. Um, you know, because, it, you know, I, I'm i a big um, Key and Pill fan. And when, you know, when I saw their discussion of Game of Thrones, you're like, oh, my goodness. You know, this truly is mainstream. And, you know, and their their jokes about it and how much they love it is wonderful. And um, I. I love the diversity of this Game of Thrones audience that it is not um, unlike baseball where it's, you know, old white guys watching the game. You know, this is truly, you know, a collection of people of all over that just, you know, love this series. And it's something that can be embraced by anybody who just wants to embrace it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, it, it's there's nothing that's that says you cannot be part of this. You know, this is not for you. I mean, you get to make that own decision if you uh, if you are interested. I know a lot of people who 
have told me, you know, Pat, I know you like Game of Thrones, but I don't like it. I'm like, it's okay. You don't have to like it. It's all right. Yeah. You know, and the, and they'll tell me why they don't like it. I'm like, no, it's fine. You don't need to justify it. I, I appreciate you as a person. Not everything is for everybody. But but Game of Thrones is one of those things that if if you like it, you probably are going to like it a lot. And I appreciate all of the creative things that happen of people like people who just do artwork or they, they, you know, even just sitting around trying to come up with like crazy theories of, of like what might be going on in the show. I, I respect all that, even if it's you know, sometimes very loony, uh, but you were asking about music and, and I would recommend uh, anyone who is interested to go to the, to the feed for the small council matters podcast for the special interview that Wendy did with this artist from Brooklyn, her name is um, Haley Bowery, and she's the lead singer of a band called The Manimals in Brooklyn. And she wrote a seven-song concept album called Seven, uh, because there are seven songs, and each song is one point of view from the books. And and then she went ahead and kind of loosely attached each of those point of views to one of the seven gods from the from the new gods in the in the faith of the seven, and and it's beautiful stuff. I mean, it's it's very very, you know, tied into uh, to the book lore. But she wrote it in such a way that's very personal to her, so that if you had not read the books, you would appreciate the song, if not necessarily understanding all the context of what's going going on. You could you could put your own context onto it. Uh, but they put out this album. It was great. Uh, she has a ton of resources that are attached to it because all of the lyrics she annotated as like what the references to the books are. Um, and that's all available at their website. Um, and in particular, I, and I've not found this on YouTube, but they did it their own cover version of the bear and the maiden fair. And that's one of those songs that a lot of people have done kind of cover hits for because all of the lyrics are available, you know, in the books. So I uh, so I recommend if anybody wants to check out some excellent Game of Thrones material, the concept album Seven by the band The Manimals is the thing to do, and they can go to their website manimals.band. Uh, yes, and I will include the link to um, uh, Wendy's interview with her. It was a great interview. And I, it kind of reminded me of um, Marion Call did a uh-huh. album a few years ago, Got to Fly, which was very Firefly and Battlestar Galactica inspired. Yet if you didn't watch the show, you could just enjoy the music by itself. Right. Um, so that's really great. Um, and now, Wendy mentioned you may be going to see them perform? Uh, yeah. In two weeks, there is a convention in Nashville called con of thrones okay and it and it's uh and i don't know if it's the first con of thrones or not it's certainly not the first game of thrones like fan convention uh but this one has brought in uh a bunch of the actors from the show that i feel are relatively you know big time because 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 Mel- melisandre will be there so that's carisva and van hooten will be there uh the guy who plays ramsey bolton will be there so that's that's yeah. And Rian. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and the uh, the actress who played Shireen Baratheon will be there. The uh, the first Marcella Baratheon will be there. Uh, the nice. kid who played 
the kid who played young Hodor will be there. Sirio Farrell, uh, Noltos Urolamo, he will be there, and he's going to be teaching people fencing if they want to learn. And so that that'll be quite awesome. Now, all of these things are like you know you would have to pay an extra fee to uh, to get like a, a class with these people or to get autographs. Um, but I'm most excited that people that I know from listening to podcasts or talking to on Twitter will be there. And Haley and her band, The Manimals, are going to be coming down, and they'll be one of the musical acts that will be playing at, uh, at the convention. So I'm looking forward to seeing her, because uh, I, I heavily promoted her, uh, her album on my blog. I wrote, like, my own analysis of all the lyrics and, you know, and so on. And, 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 the, and she, re- she appreciated that, so I was happy to, uh, to do that, and so I'll be happy to see her. Oh, that sounds a lot of fun, and it sounds like a great um – a convention that should be wonderful um and nashville is a great city anyway for music so that should be a blast right um, right yeah um so i did want <laughs> i did want to share a fun story with you um that's game of thrones related but um uh tom grieve is a uh, former texas ranger baseball player and he now does uh, play by you know color for the TV, and he was um, talking about one night on you know when it was a slow game because as you do in baseball that's one of the joys as the announcer can talk and he said that um, somewhat he was on a game he was on a flight and someone a player and I do not remember the player but it was a player said. Oh, what are you watching? And he told him, and he said, well, you know, you should watch Game of Thrones. And Tom's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he looked, he said, there is nothing about this show that I should like. He says, it's set kind of in Middle Ages. You know, there's dragons. I'm like, I have no interest in this show whatsoever. However, because this guy recommended, I'm going to at least try. And he says, and I'm now obsessed with the show. <laughs> he said, and, and he says, there is no reason why I should be. But it just, it is, he says, if you described a show that I would want to watch, there is nothing about this show would be. And I am fascinated by it. And I cannot wait for the new season. So, <laughs> and I just smiled at that because I thought that's just a great discussion of the world um george r. r martin had made up and how you know the showrunners kind of took that world and made it into something pretty special it is particularly charming when celebrities get really excited about you know game of thrones yes um you know i know that there's there's several of them that when they start talking about Game of Thrones, they become big fanboys and big fangirls. And there's, to me, there's nothing more endearing than that because, you know, uh, th- that's something I understand. I really understand that. And so it kind of like makes everybody feel kind of the same. Like we're all kind of like on the same page you know, when it comes to this one particular type of entertainment. You know, that's one of the things that I've loved about doing you know, my Bruce Springsteen podcast is, you know, I'll read stories of other musicians that are just in awe of him doing three and a half, four hour shows. And sure, how yes. The amazing yeah. of what he's done. So that's pretty cool. So I'm going to give you not predictions, but do you have any 
hopes for the new season? Is there something you're really hoping to see? Um, you know, Christine is still showing she wants to she wants to John to find out about his parents. That's you know on her sure. wish list every time. So, how about yeah. you? Is there something that you've got? <laughs> yes, but you know. Everything that I predict I want to have happen, but let's not worry about that. Yeah. Um, I, I, we know that this is the season where where Bran is going to be doing more things that are very, like, magical. I mean, you know, you know, he's been, you know, his life has been such that he's been leading up this path where he's going to be leading some kind of magical effort against the uh, the supernatural threat that's coming. And that supernatural threat is going to make a... a a bigger impact this season than it previously has. Right. You know, I mean, we just can't like not have that happen, you know? Um, so, so I'm very excited about all that. You know, I'm excited about Daenerys, you know, cause she's, she's coming West. So that's never happened in the books. Cause right now we're, we're past all the books, but we have all been waiting for Daenerys to, uh, to come to Westeros. And, and that's all very exciting because as a character, Danny is very active. She succeeds when she's moving forward. And we kind of needed the time that she spent in Marine where she was not conquering something moving forward and having a bad time to kind of reinforce the fact that her entire character, everything about her is very active and she needs to be moving and moving and moving. And so they, they kind of kick that into gear. Whereas on the other side, Jon Snow is one of these characters that his best move is to, I'm just going to hang out here because everything good happens to me if I'm not doing anything. You know, like the cavalry shows up and saves me if I'm not doing anything. It's when John says, I'm going to go and do this thing, everything bad happens. So so John needs to like, I'm just going to chill out. And then when Danny gets here, I'll just say, I got the, I got the back end, you take the front end, and things should work out. So I guess, you know, if that's kind of a prediction, that's what I would like to see happen, that those two people – get together and they kind of like have like a nice synchronization of what they're doing. But, but this is game of Thrones. We don't get what we want. And so probably it won't be quite as easy or as smooth as that, but that's kind of what I want to have happen. Okay. I I could see that. Um, So basically as I throw in pop culture references, um, Jon Snow is doing Napoleon's game plan Battle plan from uh, Sports Night. Uh, yeah, um, they said, you know, he showed up and saw what happened. And they said, are you sure that was Napoleon's game plan? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's that's awesome. Um, thank you, Pat. This was great. I appreciate you staying up late to visit with me. Um, any final thoughts you want to share? We have two weeks ago, and... You know, this is going to be like a fun time because right now everyone is just like super excited and there's going to be hyping about stuff. Uh, I think we should we should enjoy these last two weeks because when the show starts happening, you know, all of the potentials that we're kind of like imagining is going to collapse down into the reality of it. So we, we can't lose sight that this is kind of fun. This is a fun point in the show watching where it's not here yet and it's like oh you know all kinds of things can be happening so if i can my final thought would be just kind of appreciate 
this final spin up as we get so excited until the show starts up. And then we can just enjoy it. We can just relax and enjoy the show. So I had talked about in um, an episode ago, we had, when the first trailer came out, um, we the small council had done an episode, and I had said that I was kind of sad that this was ending because, you know, I get that way anytime the last third of a book I'm enjoying. I'm like, oh no, it's going to be over. And but I've decided that I'm going to take the words of Dr. Seuss and not be not be sad it's over, but be glad it happened. And so I'm going to enjoy these final two seasons. Um, and and I think you've that's very wise words. I know people are like, oh, I can't wait, but you know, enjoy the time of because we get the speculation, we get the thoughts, and we get to debate on what's going to happen. So I think that's going to be amazing, and um, I, I'm just so happy that you're going to be along with the ride with um, sending us feedback and such on the small council. Sure, and and when the show is all done. And you, you and you decide now. I'm going to read the books. Let me know, and I will read the books with you. That sounds wonderful. Sounds great. And if you ever want to uh, go on a Springsteen journey, you and I'll work on that together too. Right on. And, and, and as I've said, George R. R. Martin is only one year older than Bruce Springsteen. That is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but 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 the boss is in much better shape. Yeah, a little bit. Yes. Um. So, if someone wants to reach you, uh, Pat, how can they? Get your All Twitter right. handle, and then tell me your blog. Sure. All right. My Twitter handle is Patman23. It's like Batman, but with a P instead of a B, and 23. So Patman23 is my Twitter handle, and I'm happy to talk to people about anything. Uh, and if you want to go and read my writings on Game of Thrones, my blog is patrickspanagle.com. And it, this is going to be in the show notes, but I'll, I'll go ahead and spell it just because why not? Uh, it's Patrick as the, the normal name, and Spanagle is S-P-O-N-A-U-G-L-E. Dot com. Dot com. Very nice. Uh, good. Um so I like your final thoughts. Um, I, we are going to end with, of course, and so he spoke, and so he spoke, the Lord of Castamere, and now the rains weep over his hall, with no one there to hear. Yes, now the rains weep over his hall, with not a soul to hear. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. And that's it, Pat. There we go. We think we're savages because we don't live in stone castles. We can't make steel as good as yours, it's true, but we're free. I'm a free woman. You're not a free woman. You're my prisoner, prisoner. You don't need to live your whole life taking commands from old men. Be free. I'm a free woman. You're not a free woman. You're my prisoner, prisoner. You know nothing. Wake up when you want to wake up. Be free. Build yourself a cabin. Find a woman to lie with in the night. You don't need to live your whole life taking commands from old men. Be free. I'm a free woman. You're not a free woman. You're my prisoner. Prisoner. You know nothing. Wake up when you want to wake up. Be free. Seven kingdoms are at war. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.